I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hi. Hello. Welcome back to Old Millennials, a deep dive on shallow topics of the 90s and 2000s. I am one of your hosts, Emily Beijing. And I am your other host, Margo Poupard. Margo, what do you do when you've sold over 250 million records? You're estimated to be worth $1.7 billion as of 2021, making you the wealthiest female musician in the world and second only to Oprah Winfrey as the richest female entertainer. $1.4 billion of your fortune is because you decided to start a beauty company that sought to be as inclusive as possible, and you decided to start a size-inclusive lingerie company that's worth an estimated $270 million. You can't really do much else, and yet you still find time to have a kid, release a song for the new Black Panther soundtrack, and agree to perform in the Super Bowl. I am just tired thinking about all of this, and yet for today's episode subject, that is just a regular day in her life. We, of course, are talking about Rihanna. The mononymous, the only Rihanna. And we're going to talk about something that Emily didn't really quite mention fully because there's a lot of emphasis on like what she's up to now. But she remember when she used to release an album like every year? Yes. There were five years where we got five consecutive albums and we didn't know how good we had it. And now and now I got to say. Lift Me Up is a beautiful song. I could see it playing over the end credits. I hope she wins an Oscar. This is not what I wanted, though. I know. Like, oh, no. This is not what I wanted. I, I don't. It's beautiful. I will listen to it maybe one other time from now on. But that's probably it. It was not the first thing I listened to on Friday. I will tell you that. I listened to Kristen's no. album again. That's what I did. Because, yeah, I wanted some upbeat. It's dark out. I, I, I need the energy. I don't need own tempo ballad. Beautiful voice. Lovely girl. Just like I just this is not. Uh, yeah. You almost forget that, you know, she made bitch where I have my money. Still. She 
she made not only did she make music but to your point she like prolifically made music I forgot how tight her release schedule was this research just reminded me what she was capable of releasing in less than five years like it is insanity that you know we chose to focus today on just a few years of her career the ones that were really focused on music and uh yet we each have about four pages of notes because it's just can't stop won't stop like incredible just not enough things can be said she has the same pace in her life and in her career as she always has. It just has shifted away from music and into other endeavors. And I think that's great. But I hope one day we'll get a, a whole new album. That would be that would really be something. No pressure. I mean, although no pressure. I did tell Maria when when she announced that she was pregnant that um, Rihanna doesn't have to make new music, but I still expect her to make new music once she has a baby. <laughs> so... <laughs> But yeah, I mean, well, you're talking about like, a, I mean, close to six or seven years where it's just like one album after another, like they kind of just like all bleed into each other. And she has kind of um, a Shania Twain-esque kind of beginning of having like two sort of back-to-back hits that then she has, she, she doesn't spend enough time in, but she doesn't do anything in between number one album coming out and number two coming out. So then she just has a tour where she does both albums, very, you know, Taylor Swift eras just kidding but it's so she's in such a uh, compressed timeline to record and release music and then tour for these this chunk of time that we're about to talk about it really is kind of crazy but then when you talk about how she's got savage fenty she's got the fenty beauty line she's got a bunch of and i'm sure i'm forgetting stuff there's a ton of other stuff that she's into and yeah you know it's the same thing except it's just not music but same pace no same pace for sure. And same this woman quality, is high quality that we can come to that we can come to expect from Queen Rihanna. You know, I I again, it is hard for me to believe that we are both the same astrological sign and uh, Chinese zodiac signs because uh, she is just so much more productive <laughs> than I am. Like the world should, the cosmos sh- is telling me I should be as productive as this woman, but maybe I need to look at her moon and rising signs. That might be telling us the full picture. But <laughs> before I, I go on down, to, it- <laughs> you need to pump the brakes on like your baby astrological <laughs> side job. <laughs> it's budding, Margo. It's budding. <laughs> but enough on that. <laughs> Before we we get into it, what's your favorite Rihanna song and what's your favorite Rihanna album? You know, I think my favorite album, because I'm going to start there, is Talk That Talk. That is the one that I come back to a lot. It is like maybe her more like dance hall heavy, like dance E album. And maybe that's why I really like it. And, oh, you know, like a favorite song is really difficult to pick. But I think it's off of Auntie, which is really kind of like a close second. And oh, gosh. Oh, you know what? I think maybe her favorite. I do like Kiss It Better. I think maybe that's maybe my favorite single. And Talk That Talk is my favorite album. What about you? So for me, it's kind of a tie between Rated R and Loud. And I think it's Rated R because of the whole in that album and like just – um the direction it took and meant for Rihanna and then loud because of how fun the singles are, um, which leads me to my favorite songs, which I think 
uh, my is is a SNM. I'm pretty sure is going to be mm-hmm. mine. And then I second favorite. I do love what's my name. Both of which are on loud. Um, just and both actually co-written with Esther Dean, who I'll get into later. But uh, for me, that's that's kind of peak Rihanna in terms of what I really go, come back to all the time. Which isn't to say I don't love the albums you mentioned. Well, obviously, I will just say. She is the sec- again the second best selling female musician of all time, just behind Madonna. She's had fourteen number one uh, songs and thirty one top ten singles in the U.S. and thirty top ten singles in the U.K. She also ha- probably has a trophy room in her house because she has nine Grammys, thirteen American Music Awards, including the Icon Award, twelve Billboard Music Awards, six Guinness World Records because those are still a thing, and the NAACP's President's Award. And that is just to scratch the surface. So with that, that's all I have. Do you have to pay to get into the Guinness Book or is there like a category where they just like have to give it to you? I'm always sort of confused of like, what are the rules here? So I think the categories, thinking Rihanna, those are probably Mm -hmm. categories in which you do not have to pay because she didn't do, she didn't perform a test. There wasn't an official who needed to be there. It was like there was some longstanding record and then she beat it like in basketball or whatever. Exactly. Whereas I think if it were Rihanna had some sort of pogo stick record. Are those the the ones that you have to pay to get into unless you break a previous record? You yes. have to pay to get in. Okay, that makes sense. Because, yeah, then there's also, like, Ripley's is weird, too. And I kind of put uh, Guinness Book of World Records and, like, Ripley's all kind of in the same, like, mishmash of, like, not yeah. really real. <laughs> it. I mean, they they had a hold on us for a long time. I, feel I know. Like no one really talk, talks about them anymore. But in the 90s, I mean, I had a Guinness Book of World Records. Like, I bought one from a book fair. <laughs> that's interesting (laughs) well you know who didn't buy a guinness book (laughs) at at her scholastic book fair robin rihanna fenty who was born just like emily on february 20th 1988 in st michael's barbados she grew up with her mom monica and dad ronald fenty and grew up in a three-bedroom house in bridgetown her childhood was deeply affected though about by her father's alcoholism and crack addiction, which contributed to her parents' strained marriage. Her father used to physically abuse her mother, and Rihanna would try to get in between them to break up their fights, but by the time that they were 14, her parents had divorced. Around the same time, Rihanna was an army cadet in a sub-military program, where eventually the Barbadian singer-songwriter Chantel would become her drill sergeant. And although Rihanna said that she initially wanted to graduate from high school, she chose to pursue a musical career instead. In 2003, Rihanna formed a musical trio with two of her classmates in Barbados without a name or any material. So this is a very bold move. The girl group auditioned with an American record producer named Evan Rogers, who noticed, quote, the minute Rihanna walked into the room, it was like those two other girls didn't even exist. Rihanna went to Rogers' hotel room, which in any other context would be an ass. Where oh, no. she performed Destiny's Child Emotion and Mariah Carey's Hero. Impressed, Rogers scheduled a second meeting with Rihanna and her mother and then invited Rihanna to the States to record some demos that they could then send around to the record labels. The recordings were intermittent because they had to take place over uh, her holiday school breaks. And so finally, after about a year, she got Ponda Replay and 
the last time as like the two final tracks that they were going to record for her demo tape, which would eventually be included on her debut album, Music of the Sun. That same year, Rihanna signed to Rogers and his partner, Carl Sturkin's production company called Syndicated Rhythm Productions. Rihanna's demo was shipped out to Def Jam Records, where Jay Brown, an A&R exec at the record label, was the first to hear the demo. He played the demo for Jay-Z, who had recently become the president and CEO of Def Jam. And when Jay-Z first heard the track, he felt the song was too big for her, which maybe maybe it overpowered her voice. But he still saw something in her. So in early 2005, Rihanna auditioned for Def Jam in New York, where Jay-Z introduced her to L.A. Reid. At this audition, she sang Whitney Houston's cover of For the Love of You, and as well as her tracks off of her demo tape. And L.A. Reid was very impressed with her audition and told Jay-Z not to let her leave until she signed a contract. Reed left it to Jay-Z to close the deal, which ended up resulting in a six-album record deal with Def Jams. And she waited in Jay-Z's office until three o'clock in the morning until all of their lawyers agreed to this draft. And she got to the contract and she signed it. And they didn't want her to go to any other record label. So Rihanna canceled all of her other meetings and relocated from Barbados to the States. And she moved in with Rogers and his wife. So she gets to working on music, what would become Music of the Sun after she signs with Def Jam. She spends she spends about three months recording it. She worked with a couple of different producers, but primarily with Rogers, who brought her over and his production partner, Carl. Bunda Replay was chosen for the lead single because it seemed like the best song suited for a summer release. And it came out in May of 2005 as her debut single. And was re- and that's when they decided that she would be releasing it under a mononym, Rihanna. It started pretty successfully. I mean, I remember this song was like everywhere, every graduation oh, party, sure. prom, like you just could not escape it all summer long. And it charted very successfully worldwide. It peaked in the top five in 15 countries, including number two in the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 and on the U.K. singles chart. The song became a club hit in the States, of which, again, another place that you heard it nonstop, peaking at number one on the Billboard dance charts. Music of the Sun was later released in August, and it debuted at number 10 on the Billboard 200 and is and is certified gold, a.k.a. has sold 500,000 units. But overall, the album has sold over 2 million copies worldwide. A second single, If It Wasn't Lovin' That You Want, was not as successful, but reached the top 10 in Australia, Ireland, and New Zealand, so that's something. Aside from Music from of the Sun, Rihanna also made her acting debut in a cameo in the successful straight-to-DVD film Bring It On, All or Nothing, released in August of a 2003. A great sequel. Very fun. One of the better, one of the better ones. Hey, uh, <laughs> Hayden Panettiere and um, Solange, right? Yeah. And I, yeah, I recently great. watched Scream 4. Hayden's great in that, you know? She is an underrated actress. And and now we all know that her and Rihanna kind of know each other. <laughs> <laughs> but a month after the release of Music of the Sun, Rihanna began working on her second album. In February of 2006, Rihanna announced that she was going to release her second studio album in April of that year, and that would become A Girl Like Me. When she was asked about the album in an interview with MTV News, Rihanna stated, quote, Vocally, I've matured so much. And lyrically, I'm speaking about stuff I would never sing about before. Now I'm singing about experiences that I've gone through and stuff that other 18-year-old girls go through. So it's... It's all about progression. In regards to the title of the album, though, Rihanna explained, quote, it's called A Girl Like Me because it's a very personal album. It's my baby. It's all about what it's like to be a girl like me, speaking of personal experience experiences, as well as things that girls like me might have gone through. It was released in April 2006. 
And the album was a very was another commercial success, charting in the top 10 in 13 countries. And it reached number one in Canada, number five in UK and the States, where it sold 115,000 copies in its first week. It became certified platinum, selling over a million units. Its lead single, SOS, was an international success, charting in the top five in 11 countries. The song reached number one in the U.S. Hot 100 Billboard charts and Australia, which was her first to reach this this sort of chart position. Unfaithful, the album's second single, reached the top 10 in 18 countries, including number one in Canada and Switzerland. Two more singles would later be released from the album, We Ride and Break It Off, but I don't think that they had reached the same sort of chart success as the other singles from this album. For the production of Girl Like Me, Rihanna worked with Evan Rogers again and his partner Carl, as well as Stargate, J.R. Rodham, and label mate Neo, who wrote the album's second single. A Girl Like Me is like more pop reggae album that's like influenced directly by Rihanna's Caribbean roots. The album also incorporates elements of dance hall and rock, which would later be heavily would be a huge influence on her and other albums, as well as ballads, which critics were initially sort of ambivalent towards. But Rihanna said, I'm going to hit these high notes. And she continues to give us ballads whether or not we want them, as evidenced by what we talked about in the first 10 minutes of this episode. (laughs) The album's third single, We Ride, as I said, failed to have the same sort of success as the album's other singles. But to promote A Girl Like Me and Music of the Sun, Rihanna embarked on her debut headlining concert tour called Rihanna Live and in Concert in 2006. While on tour, Rihanna began to work on her third album, Good Girl Gone Bad. With the help of Timbaland, Tricky Stewart, and Sean Garrett, she embraced a new musical direction with more up-tempo dance tracks. Released in May of 2007, the album charted at number two in the U.S., selling 162,000 copies in the first week, and it became Rihanna's then best start album entry, which the album before that was her best, and she just keeps besting herself with every single album she releases. It topped the charts in multiple countries, including Brazil, Canada, Ireland, the U.K., and was certified six times platinum. Good Girl Gone Bad has sold over 2.8 million copies in the States alone. It is Rihanna's best-selling album in the country to date, and the album has sold 9 million units worldwide. Good Girl Gone Bad received the most positive critical reviews of her first three albums as well. Before the... Before its physical release, Umbrella, her single, achieved the biggest debut in a six-year, at the time, history of the iTunes store, breaking the record previously held by Shakira's single, Hips Don't Lie. So we have to we have to put that into a little bit of context. I was like, six, six years. It was not that long for iTunes. Umbrella was Rihanna's first single to be named one of the best-selling singles worldwide with sales of over 8 million copies for one single. Shut Up and Drive, Hate That I Love You featuring Neo, and Don't Stop the Music were also released as singles, with the latter becoming another international dance hit. In support of the album, Rihanna began the Good Girl Gone Bad tour in September of 2007 with 80 shows across the across U.S., Canada, and Europe. She was nominated for several Grammy Awards in 2008 and won Best Rap slash Sung Collaboration for Umbrella alongside Jay-Z, making it her very first Grammy. In June of 2008, Rihanna released Good Girl Gone Bad Live, her first long-form video. It was a DVD and Blu-ray release featuring Rihanna's concert at the Manchester Arena in Manchester, UK on December 6, 2007. It also contained a special documentary that presented Rihanna discussing her experience during tour. By late 2008, Rihanna still remained on the charts with the release of a fifth single from Good Girl Gone Bad, Rehab, and was named Diva of the Year by Entertainment Weekly for her newfound staying power. The album's reissue, Good Girl Gone Bad Reloaded, was released in June 2008 with three new songs on it, Disturbia, Banger, Take About, Banger, Less Banger is the next one I'm about to say, which is the Maroon 5 duet, If I Never See Your Face Again, plus a Spanglish version of 
Hate That I Love You featuring Spanish pop star David Bishbaum. All four were released as singles and charted highly. Then came her duet with T.I., Live Your Life, which was released in November of 2008 and topped the Billboard Hot 100 for weeks and weeks. Good Girl Gone Bad inspired Rihanna to transform her in- image from teen pop princess into a fully-fledged superstar and sex symbol. People Magazine noted that Rihanna followed the likes of artists like Mariah Carey, Janet Jackson, Christina Aguilera, when, quote, she sheds her innocent image for an edgier look and sound. The Good Girl Gone Bad era became a universally recognized moment where Riri solidified her position as an international superstar. As Nick Levine of Digital Spy described the album, quote, it's the closest thing to a thriller that 2008 is going to likely produce. And that is where I leave you in the Rihanna musical journey. Well, in 2008, in addition to everything that you mentioned, she was also performing in the Glow in the Dark tour alongside Kanye West, who I don't know if we want to start using a different name for him on this podcast, but who knows, uh, Lupe Fiasco, and then NERD, because this woman can't stop, won't stop. And this was in addition to her good girl gone bad tour that she had already done, which grossed a ton of money. I will start getting into the figures of these tours because I'm in shock. But I shouldn't be surprised. It's Rihanna. She's smart. <laughs> You're going to hate this, but I've sung three of Rihanna's singles from Good Girl Gone Bad and the Reloaded album in various acapella groups over the years to uh, varying success. I mean, I'm not surprised. Those are all great. Those, all the songs that we talked about, they're all great songs. If I were in an acapella group, if I were into that, if if I were still in high school and we were doing pop show, I would fully do a Rihanna song. Yeah, I mean, it was just like unavoidable. Every single acapella group on campus did a Rihanna song. So it was just a matter of making sure you weren't doing the same song as everyone else. That was the problem in middle school and high school was making sure that no one else was doing the same Destiny's Child song as you. (laughs) (laughs) And sometimes in sync, but mostly I I could not tell you the amount of times where people like I had had to like rock, paper, scissors for a Destiny's Child song to do at the talent show. Same, same. My, yes, very much. My sister and her friends did a performance of Destiny's Child Survivor at our small uh, Catholic elementary middle school um, complete with they had choreography and they were three white girls. So you <laughs> you put that together. <laughs> well, as somebody who almost convinced Sean to dress up like Survivor to go to the jungle-themed Halloween party, I can believe how well that went. <laughs> so 2009 is an interesting year. And so I will try to keep it as positive as possible. So 2009 will end with one of Rihanna's most iconic albums, Rated R. And earlier that year, she scored another collaborative hit being featured in Run This Town with Jay-Z and Kanye West. She was supposed to perform at the 2009 Grammys, but obviously we all know that didn't happen. So I've decided to uh, summarize this section as best as I can. And that is to say domestic violence is terrible. Fuck abusers and believe survivors. After Rihanna was assaulted, Chris Brown made his first public appearance at my college a few weeks later uh, because he's from a neighboring town and he happened to show up on campus the same week there was a domestic violence awareness week campaign taking place so it doesn't get more ironic than that and that is where I think I will leave it Margot. any thoughts before we go on to the amazing career this woman has had despite this shit for brains 
uh, call Atlantis because she needs to add a new verse to ironic. Because when you told me that story, my jaw was on the floor. But you put yeah. it perfectly as and as nicely as you possibly could, considering all of the circumstances. So that's all I have to add. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So let's spend more time talking about our queen's nonstop hit making career. Sometimes you just forget how many hits hits Rihanna has had over the years because she's just that good. And you look up her albums and you're like, she pulled a Shania Twain to your point multiple times because at least half of her album's tracks were not just singles, but hit singles. Such was the case when I looked at Rihanna's fourth album, Rated R, which was released in November 20th on November 20th, 2009. The album produced six singles, Russian Roulette, Wait Your Turn, Hard, Rude Boy, Rockstar 101, and Te Amo. Russian Roulette was released as the album's lead single and managed to hit the top 10 in over 25 countries. The album debuted. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. At number 4 in the US Billboard 200 chart and sold 181,000 copies in its first week. It sold over 3 million copies over the years, and Rude Boy went on to number one on the Billboard charts for six weeks. The recording call sheet for these sessions are Who's Who of the 2000s. The album was executive produced by L.A. Reid and Jay-Z, credited as the Carter administration, and also featured producers The Dream, Neo, Brian Kennedy, Stargate, and Chase and Status. Guest musicians include Jeezy, Justin Timberlake, Will I Am, and Slash, who played guitars on Rockstar 101. This album is a lot more autobiographical. She co-wrote nine out of 13 songs and explored a lot more mature subjects, hence the album title, artwork, song lyrics, and music videos for many of these songs. It's a much more down-tempo album as well in comparison to her three previous albums with a focus on more ballads. There's a great Billboard piece that was written by Chuck Arnold in 2019 to mark the 10th anniversary, and he rightfully compares it to two of Janet Jackson's most pivotal albums, Control and The Velvet Rope. Control because it signifies one of the first albums where Rihanna basically had, no other way to say it, full control to work with whoever she wanted to work with. Much like Control signified that with Janet Jackson, being that that was the first album where her dad was no longer managing her and the beginning of her era of making hit albums with Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. The velvet rope of it all very much is because of the themes around sexual exploration and the dark side of relationships, which gets covered quite a bit on Janet's album. 
In re-listening to this album, Russian Roulette's composition, the song itself, strangely reminded me of Dolly Parton's early single, The Bridge. And I don't know if you've ever heard this song, Margot. It's like a song that Dolly wrote in like the 1960s about a woman who has a baby and her partner abandons her and she's standing at this bridge. And it ends abruptly with us not knowing what happens, what decision she decides to make, uh, whether to end her life or not. And Russian Roulette ends with a gunshot. And we're left to wonder if that was a blank or if that gun, that was an actual bullet. Uh, so I feel like it, it's interesting. They were clearly not written by the same person, but similar compositions. Thank you for letting me wax poetic. Yeah. On no, there. that's interesting. I wouldn't have put it together because I don't particularly remember that Dolly Parton song. I'm sure I've heard it. I just it's not one that I return to, I suppose. Yeah, it's kind of a lesser known one, at least outside, I think, of like deep country cuts. Sure. But Rihanna went into 2010 by headlining the Last Girl on Earth tour, which began in April of 2010 and ended in March of 2011, with 63 dates over three legs, grossing $24 million total. She also scored another hit collaboration by featuring on Eminem's song Love the Way You Lie, which went number one in over 20 countries. And she ended 2010 by releasing Loud on November 10th, 2010, just 10 days before the one-year anniversary of Rated R because this woman is prolific with album releases. She and L.A. Reid were the executive producers on the album. We love to see that producer credit. And she would again work with producer Stargate and additionally worked with Sandy V, The Runners, Tricky Stewart, Esther Dean, and Alex DeKid. Guest artists on this album include Drake, Nicki Minaj, and Eminem, who was on Love the Way You Lie Part 2. Esther Dean is someone I want to quickly point out because at the time she was the producer slash songwriter to work with. Here's a quick reminder of her hits in this like 2010, 2011, 2012 period. She co-wrote S&M, Rude Boy, and What's My Name on Loud, and also co-wrote Katy Perry's Firework, Nicki Minaj's Super Bass, and Kelly Clarkson's Mr. Know-It-All. Like just hit after hit. You could not turn to a hit radio station without hearing one of those songs at any point in five minutes. Loud is much more up-tempo and is definitely much more of a hit singles album. Like Rated R had did have hits, but it's very much an album where Loud is driven by the singles, neither of which are better or worse. It's just really like, I think Loud does not have kind of as cohesive of a flow as Rated R, um, but they're both just like fantastic albums in their own ways. Loud debuted at number three on the Billboard 200 chart with sales of over 207,000 copies in the first week. The highest first week sales of Rihanna's career at the time, like you said, just keeps adding on every single time. The album peaked at number one on the Canadian, Swiss, and UK album charts. And since its release, Loud has sold over 8 million copies worldwide. The album produced seven singles, including Only Girl in the World, What's My Name, S&M, all three singles reached number one on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 chart. And then S&M was Rihanna's 10th number one song in the U.S. And Only Girl in the World won the Grammy Award for Best Dance Recording in February 2011. Additionally, the album was nominated for three more Grammy Awards, including Album of the Year. And she would go on to support this album by going on her Loud tour, which lasted from June of de- to December of 2011 and grossed $32 million. On top of releasing her own albums, in 
2010. She was featured on Kanye West's All of the Lights from My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, Nicki Minaj's Fly from Pink Friday, and David Guetta's Who's That Chick from the album One More Love. Obviously, this was one of the first uh, collaborations with David Guetta, which would continue into the 2010s. Rihanna has set a record as the solo artist with the fastest accumulation of 10 chart toppers in the Hot 100s history, which is very confusing to read out loud. But she basically, all you need to know is she surpassed Mariah Carey, who mm. had been the youngest person to do that. Okay. Um. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying. Sometimes these these designations, they don't read the way these people I think know. that they're reading because you read it out your, out loud and you're like, <laughs> you know, when you read something to yourself in your head, you're like, got it. And you say it out loud. You're like, what did I just say? I know what the individual words mean, but then when you add it all up, you're like, oh, that's a sentence. That's crazy. When I say it out loud, sometimes it reminds me of that public television show Zoom uh, where the kids would speak in like ubby dubby. They're like, it's kind of like gibberish, you know, those like made up languages. Or but is it Latin. like, was it like Zoom? Like, am I thinking of this yeah. kid show? Okay. <laughs> we are. Yeah. Like, come on. And Zoom. yes. Okay, great. <laughs> they, great, great. They, they have a secret language oh. that like what sometimes these sentences, I feel like I'm speaking in it. <laughs> <laughs> You're not alone. We're on the same <laughs> Zoom episode. <laughs> Really, this is kind of like the cap of the 2010s for Rihanna. Um, I think what we can do here at this point is a bit of an epilogue, if you will, which is that beyond the business endeavors that we already talked about where she has made billions of dollars at this point, uh, she's released three other studio albums, Talk That Talk, Unapologetic, and Anti, um, the last of which was released in 2016. As Margot mentioned earlier, last week she blessed us with a song for the Black Panther soundtrack, but it was not exactly what we were hoping for because we want a reason to dance. And unfortunately, this is, uh, I, apart from a middle school slow dance, uh, I don't think it's going to really get me going. So <laughs> Rihanna, if you listen to our little podcast. She doesn't. We love she you. Does she, doesn't. she doesn't listen to this. Margot. <laughs> Let me let me have this. I'm sorry. <laughs> so even though Rihanna does not listen to our podcast, she does represent, in my opinion, one of the first musicians in our millennial micro generation, whatever you want to call it. She, too, being a, f a fellow old millennial, she's one of the first who really took charge of her own career, especially after her first two albums. I think a lot of her contemporaries age-wise were stuck in more of a box when it came to what they performed, and she was very much able to explore what she wanted to do musically fairly early on in her career, which I admire. And while there are a lot of celebrities who have gone on to do the entrepreneur route, uh, I don't think anyone has come close to what Rihanna has accomplished because she's incredibly smart and has carved a space for herself, which I admire. I definitely um, think that people have tried to. Oh, try. Why do you think that we have so many skincare and beauty lines from celebrities she right now? She wrote the blueprint. I really think that everybody thinks that, oh, if Rihanna can do it, then I can do it. And then same same with like, I wouldn't say necessarily like size inclusive lingerie, but people are trying or celebrities have tried to do like the in-between of Fendi, Savage and Fabletics. Like people, they're trying. They are trying. But they're nothing trying. has seemed to have stuck the way. I mean, maybe Skims is the only other thing that I could think of. But you could even say yeah. that Kim took a lot of inspiration, if you will, from Rihanna as well. I wonder if they have. 
because there's the there's the one woman who works with all of the Kardashians to, like launch their individual brands. I do wonder if at one point she worked with Rihanna. I didn't look it up because we weren't going to cover this, but I'm yeah. uh, the conversation was naturally always going to come to this just because she has a hugely successful empire that I do think like at this point. Oh, sadly, like almost overshadows like her music. If you're like younger and you're coming to Rihanna now, I think. For sure. So one fact is that you mentioned Fabletics and Savage Fenty. They're owned by the same parent brand. So I think Fabletics is the parent brand and Savage Fenty is actually a spinoff of that. They must be owned by a larger conglomerate no. I think they are. um, I don't 100% know off the top of my head, but the reason I know that is because Savage Fenty, fun fact, was one of my customers when I was still working at Lob. Um, So I helped them send a bunch of postcards. It might be be like an L&H brands thing or something. Or I wonder if they're under the same... I wonder if they're under the same conglomerate that like Benefit Cosmetics is under because that's under like some larger... Expense. I forget what it's called, but it's like so, it's do Louis Vuitton conglomerate. Well. Yeah. So so benefits under um, Estee Lauder, which I believe you're thinking of, is under LVMH, which LVMH is Louis Vuitton, is Mo- which is what Selma yeah. Hayek's husband like runs or whatever. Yeah, Francois Pinot, I think is his name, but yes, he runs um, LVMH. And um, I believe so. I'm trying to look it up right now. Actually, this. I'd be curious uh, to know. To I, I think she's under one of those larger brands. I forget, but I don't really know. Not too much kind of came up about like the maybe the fallout or like the separation between her and uh, Chris Rogers, who like discovered her. I have a question. So I have an answer. What is it? Um, so she, it's under Textile Fashion Group. Like it's spelled T E C H S T Y L E, but pronounced textile. It's very clever. And it used to be just fab. Because it includes Just Fab, Fab Kids, Shoe Dazzle, Savage Fenty, and Fabletics. And some of these have closed over time, including um, Just Fab. Yeah, Just Fab. But uh, the ones that are still around are Shoe Dazzle, Savage Fenty, and Fabletics. Carrying that brand. Carrying that brand indeed. Um, but yeah, that is that's where it lands. Um, I don't think it's under LVMH. I think that is kind of the parent company altogether. Um, Learn something. <laughs> Fenty Beauty might be though. Fenty Beauty is probably to your point under one of these, but um, I mean, just remember when it like first came out; it was sold out everywhere. Like she really found a market that, um, and and pro- and marketed it so brilliantly. Like I just well, some of the marketing I really do think is just her her like yeah there is something talk about like original influencer uh, there's something about her effortless style and persona that people just want to emulate so i think that the move into beauty and clothes is like a total gimme she, and she also i yes. think like all things like the like you were saying about like her contract like she's been able to like explore things and she wasn't like hampered by anything i think that that's totally true. But I also think that a part of it is like she got in at the right time. And I think that she yes. had always she never really was like, oh, I'm going to be a pop singer. I'm going to be a rapper. I'm going to do all these things like she sort of has like the career of a rapper in the sense that like she some of her biggest singles are like her features on other people's albums. And like you. Yes. I mean, Live Your Life was fucking huge. Umbrella was like massive. 
So she's had yep. these like massive singles with like other rappers, but then also her her individual albums are just insane sales and she releases half the album as singles and all of them chart or like almost all of them chart it's enough to get somebody to buy the whole album it's really impressive and i think that uh i remember that towards the end of like her deal with def jam i don't think that it necessarily went super well because i don't know how good of a reputation def jam has anymore i know that they've had like record contract disputes with other artists and I think Rihanna might be one of them but she's also so valuable that like it's one of those things like she is the James Cameron of Def Jam like she can do and say whatever she wants because she's a billion dollar entity or whatever to them a billion dollar client I guess I should say to them her worth is invaluable to even just having her associated with them is like a boost for them because Rihanna has is synonymous with like being cool being successful being sexy being smart like having lots of businesses you know whatever like just being like a badass bitch and so just even having her associated with your brand is like good for you so you brought up a few points and I have answers to things so um one, uh, the Def Jam of it all, to your point, yes, I think that she can do anything she wants at this point because, yeah, Def Jam needs her more than she needs them for sure. Well, she finished um, her six-album deal. I don't even she, know if she's there yeah. still, though. I don't think she is. I, I could be wrong, but, I yeah, I think you're right. At this point, she's she finished that deal. Actually, she finished it after Unapologetic, it looks like. So, um, so she, at this point, yeah, she can kind of do whatever she wants. Def Jam is also, you know, has suffered a lot in terms of reputation over the years because of the Russell Simmons of it all. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, but to, that, uh, that aside though, it's like, they don't have a great, they really don't have like a great, uh, reputation for no. artist contracts. Like just ask Joe. They don't. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, like, even uh, the Beastie Boys get into it if you, you know, in their book, oh, in their book like, yeah. that, that they didn't have a great relationship, um, and they they ended it, I think, after License to Ill. They went over to Capitol Records to release Paul's Boutique and everything after that. Mm-hmm. Um, to answer your earlier questions about Fenty, you were at Fenty Beauty. You were actually correct. They are owned by LVMH. Um, and she launched it in 2017 and previously she'd collaborated with Mac cosmetics, um, but she signed a deal to produce Fenty beauty through LVMH's Kendo division. Yeah, that's so, so you were correct. And they're actually headquartered in San Francisco, which I did not realize. Yes, I, I did work in the beauty industry for several years. So none (laughs) of this is surprising. And Kendo is like their, like, trendy young women section like kendo is like the division that like all of like the hot brands are in so that's not totally surprising either but yeah it's i i can't believe i know that she's i think she's like performed a song at the super bowl maybe as somebody's guest but i'm glad that she's going to be performing the super bowl headliner because i really do think that's literally like the only thing she like has not done yeah, at this like, point. What else? Like, what has she not done? Like, Rihanna in space. Right? I mean, she, how close is she to an EGOT? Like, that would be like the next thing. Like, I really do think, yeah, like having a kid playing the Super Bowl and maybe like going EGOT are like the three things that she hasn't done. Well, she has a kid now. So, like, the two and then soon just one thing she hasn't done. I, you know, I think she could Rihanna go to space. Could... I bet she just chooses not to. Like, why would she want to go to space with fucking Jeff Bezos? 
so she could hear I him know. try to poorly sing her song back at her. Like, I'd also skip that. <laughs> I mean, she has a deal with Amazon, so it's not out of the realm That's of what I'm saying. <laughs> she could. She just chooses not to because why? I do wonder, like, so I think to your point, she could very well win the Oscar um, next year for the Black Panther song. So that gets her an Oscar. Um, She's won Grammys, obviously. She may have won an Emmy at this point for a TV special. A lot of musicians, you know, Mm -hmm. do that and you don't realize it. Tony, I feel like I feel like Rihanna could actually have a a good turn on Broadway. I think she's a very talented singer. She doesn't and even have to be on Broadway. She can just produce a Broadway show. That's how Jennifer Hudson got her Tony. Oh my God. Wow. This is like, maybe there's like a Rihanna musical one day and she's a producer. She doesn't star in it, but it's like, you know, someone plays the life of Rihanna. Unless she wants to. But yeah, you can yeah. win a Tony just for producing a really well received Broadway play. And if anybody can get it on Broadway and also sustain it, because I know it's extremely expensive to get shows up on Broadway, it'd be Rihanna. Yeah, there you go. Easy breezy. Just win your Oscar next year for Lift Me Up. And then if there's no Emmy, like, let's get her on SNL and have her host and sing. And there's an, there's another give me. And then we'll just get this Broadway thing going. And <laughs> in no time, she'll got before she's fucking 40. Watch. <laughs> I, you know what? I, I love this. We've, we've crafted a path for her to achieve the 0.1% of things she has not already achieved in her life. If she just wants to complete that pie. You're welcome. <laughs> well, I think we've covered everything we wanted to chat, talk about regarding Rihanna today. Um, we, as you can tell, we both love her very much and, we understand that she doesn't need to release anything ever again. But it would be we would... so nice if she did. It would like, be so be nice. And you know, for year three of the apocalypse times pandemic slash climate change <laughs> slash whatever new pandemic strain that's going to come our way uh, party, I would love it to just like, I would love to just get a another, re- like a more upbeat Rihanna single. I'll take a single. I'll take an EP. Yeah. I'll yeah. take I'll take your hard drive, like whatever you wanna. <laughs> I'll you know, if you have a vault, I'll a print style, you know, I'm just, I'll just I'll just close my eyes, pick a few things, and then just take whatever I get it's out really of it. It's really good. It's probably great. It's probably better than half the shit that's out right now. I just think about like all of the times that Lana Del Rey's music has been stolen out of her like 2008 RAV4. And like, why can't y'all like do that to Rihanna? No, sorry, Rihanna, but like why are you guys winning for Lana? Like, let's spread it around. Let's go. Let's break into T- uh, to Rihanna's 2008 RAV4 that she definitely. <laughs> she, you never know. You never know where those hard drives would be, Emily. That's all I'm saying. Let's get a fucking Ocean's Nine where people try to <laughs> steal Rihanna's I mean, she released ha- tracks. <laughs> It's in the same universe as Ocean's 8 because she was in Ocean's exactly. 8. Exactly. It's just like tides of turn, bitch. <laughs> We're coming. Uh, I, I, know, I learned how to remix. <laughs> she learned. <laughs> she got some like Pro Tools experience. She's ready to go. <laughs> that is one of those uh, female remakes that I genuinely I enjoyed so much. I had very much fun watching um, Ocean's Eight when it came out, and Rihanna was great in it. Um, I re- she was. When you were talking about her. The best part of Battleship. Every time she wasn't on screen, like this movie sucks. <laughs> like. 
It's I've really gone about that movie. She's the only person My who understood really the assignment. Like she had a great time. She, you know, until I did this research, I had forgotten about that movie because it's otherwise you. a pretty bad movie. It's, it's it's so like boring, unforgivable, like bad. But she's like, you know, if somebody just spliced all of her scenes together and put it on YouTube, I'd watch that at least like once a month. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, I think that this is a great place for us to end our Rihanna episode. And we want to thank you again for joining us on this episode here of Old Millennials Pod. If you enjoyed what you heard today, guess what? You can hear even more of us than our weekly episodes because we have a Patreon. That's right. If you want to be a part of that Old Millennial Cinematic Universe for five bucks a month, you get two bonus pieces of content. Usually we talk about what we've been watching on the various streaming platforms. Uh, We go into rants about how boring Bachelor in Paradise is right now. So if you'd like to join us over there, go to patreon.com slash oldmillennialspod and subscribe over there. Additionally, we are also on various social media platforms at the Old Millennials Pod. So if you like Instagram or Facebook, check us out over there. Individually, you can find us both on Twitter. I'm at Emily A. Beijing. And I'm at Marg, she wrote. And until next time, we say bye-bye. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 